Hey there, I'm Evan DeWald and I'm joined by Tara Lindsley and this is Unpacked. We're unpacking life as messy people. So here, we do the things that we do the best. We tell stories and we share life with each other. Sometimes life gets big and messy and full of failure and vulnerable moments, but we believe that sharing those things together helps us all to grow. So have a listen. Make sure to like and subscribe. So this week on Unpacked, Tara, we're talking about belonging. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's just us talking about it. Yeah, I kind of like when we just chat about it. Yeah, me too. Yep, it's fun and and we got to get to all over the place, which is really fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Well, we did use your notes from one of the events we did a couple weeks ago and the distinction, the biggest thing in it is the distinction between fitting in and belonging. Yep. I think uh, it's one of the most important things. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to fit in. You're not figuring out how to belong. Mm-hmm. So we talk about that. We talk about, oh gosh, we talked about a lot of things. Places that we felt like we belonged, barriers to belonging. Made for it. Yeah, then turn our work. And I hope you enjoy. So once again, thanks for joining us on Unpacked. We would love for you to follow us on all of the places. <laughs> Apple, iTunes, Spotify. And of course, if you leave us a review, uh, like and share, we always appreciate that. Okay, I am kind of excited about doing this, mostly because I'm going to get to put you on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a little mean. You were like, let's use my notes. (laughs) And I'm going to have the notes and I'm going to be in control of everything that happens today. No, I am excited about it, um, mostly because I think it's an important topic that we're going to talk about. And we've been talking about it in kind of some of our littler groups and around. And really, it's it's the topic of belonging. And most of it comes out of an Insta story I did a little while ago about kind of the difference between belonging and, and fitting in and, and just got a ton of feedback. So we thought it'd be fun to kind of talk back and forth and ask a little bit. Are you freaking out? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> okay, so he, here's how I'll start this off. I think that regardless of what you believe, what you know, structure you were given about the belief of your origin, uh, I think that inside of each of us, we all have like a rooted desire to belong. Mm-hmm. And so it's just there. It doesn't go away. It's like mm-hmm. something that was there from the time you were a little child and were held probably uh, all the way up. And we'll, we'll hopefully we'll carve away at some other things. But have you ever thought about where your desire to belong comes from? Well, not till, you know, a few weeks ago <laughs> when we started talking about it a little bit. One of the fun things I like about the podcast is that you get to talk about kind of philosophically a little bit about things that you wouldn't normally just generally think about. Mm-hmm. It's not like people are sitting down going, I am going to contemplate belonging now for a while, right? But we all have these like lived experiences that have given us a sense of belonging. And or maybe it's the opposite. Like, there's a sense that we don't belong. And that's how we, the topic comes to mind. So when you think about that, do you have like a, an example or of a story from either one? Like a place where you felt like you belonged or a place where you really felt like you didn't belong? 
Can you think of one? Yeah. I definitely have... Um, it's not here, I'll be clear. It's a workplace environment, but it's not this workplace environment <laughs> that I'm talking about. But I did work somewhere, just somewhere where the people were wonderful, but I just had this sense where I, and I don't know if it the, like the word we probably use is fit, but belonging is so much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And I just really had this sense that like, I couldn't figure it out. And I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what this is, but something is off with yeah. me here. And I had some individual relationships that were good, but as a whole, I was like not jiving really well with the work. I found it a struggle. And the things that the people cared about there, I just was kind of like, I get it. Not the same. Okay. So some of it was value, right? Like it's I like think so. the general overall sense of value or importance of what the organization was doing may not have been like something that was touching your heart. Yeah. Well, actually it was a, the purpose of the organization was really important. I just the work that we were doing wasn't super connected to it. It was more a fundraising kind of Mm. end of it. And I didn't get to really be involved with the people that was benefiting a lot. And I had opportunities to, and when I did that felt great, but even like the coworkers that I was working alongside with, there was just, it was all, it was a small team and there was just really different, unique positions. And the people were just truthfully like quite a bit older than me and in different places in their lives. And I just, I don't know, something I could like list a million things that felt like, these are probably the reasons, but I've worked in lots of other places where that, those That's things exist. It's funny when you say that, cause it's like, I was just thinking about when, you know, in the church, we need money to survive mm-hmm. and we've had to do this cause you do the finances and you know, all these things. And it's like, when I start focusing too much on the money or on trying to get people to give or on trying to produce something that people would, would want to give to the value of seeing life transformation takes, it can very quickly take a a second seat. Mm. And that sucks the joy and the purpose right out of it for me. So when the purpose is just to make money or raise money or whatever, I don't know. Yeah. I struggle with it. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't get me that excited. But if we need $3,000 to help change somebody's life, Mm -hmm. I can totally do it. Mm -hmm. Anyways, there's, there is that sense of like, if I was doing a job where the sole purpose was to raise funds, mm-hmm. I think it would be very difficult. Yeah, I think, and too, like, without really up close seeing a benefit, mm-hmm. it's just a little bit further removed. So yeah. Yeah. that was that was a challenging time. And I don't think in the moment I could figure out, I wouldn't have named it as belonging. Mm-hmm. But now when we were talking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, I just don't think I belonged. And that isn't to say that it's bad. Like some people really do. They have a, like the thermometer thing is like, that is the purpose. Mm -hmm. And it's, and they get great joy in doing that. It's just not particularly helpful for me. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and and probably not for you either. I think one of the other places, like simple places that we, we discover we maybe don't belong or where we really want to belong is like, uh, like I remember elementary school, you know, you you know, the big lineup where you're picking, picking teams, mm. and, right. And you're just, you're just standing there just praying you won't be the last person to be picked. And, and there is, unfortunately, there is a sense of like value and worth and all those kind of things mm-hmm. that gets placed on your capacity to whatever, play floor hockey really well, or be really awesome at dodgeball. Yeah. <laughs> or however that plays out. And we can find this kind of affecting us a little bit. So 
Anyways, I think that regardless of how you have come to recognize a desire to belong, like regardless of how that, that came or how that got built into you, it, it's a real thing. And it, it really is there. And so, and actually, science backs this up. There's scientific reasons why having a sense of belonging is vital to our DNA. Hmm. It's, like a, it's like a biological imperative. Yeah, How's that for a big word? You can tell it. I found that <laughs> on the internet. So, um, but, uh, but this lady, named, her name is Susan Pinker. And she says, in-person relationships create a biological force field against disease and decline in the body. Hmm. In other words, literally people who, who live a life with a sense of belonging live a longer life. So more and more scientists are actually looking into that. What does it mean to create a sense of belonging? Even organizations and just a lot of those kind of things are, are really, really important. I, I think that the church often talks about, you know, what does it mean to create a sense of belonging? Mm-hmm. There's some confusing things here. Yeah. That happened there because I think it, the 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 church sends this strange message because it's like it's not so much just about how you find a sense of belonging. It's like with that, if it's not done carefully and with great consideration, it becomes an actual place where you're really finding out how you don't belong, mm-hmm. and then where you do belong. So so here comes my Brene Brown we're both big Brene Brown fans (laughs) right so but she has she's just an incredibly wise lady when it comes to some of these things and and she says uh, belonging and fitting in are two different things yeah so uh, in fact she says they're the opposite they're opposites and so basically here's how it is so fitting in is you enter into a surroundings you figure out that surround the, the rules of that place, uh, its language, its norms. You know what are the topics that you actually are supposed to avoid mm-hmm. talking about, and even picking up language of how you are supposed to talk about things in in a particular environment, and then you acclimate to it. Mm-hmm. In other words, you figure out how not to stick out. Yeah. So nobody notices you. Like that's ultimately the goal, right? It's like. Look like everybody else yeah. so nobody notices you. And unfortunately, we somehow believe that means I'm going to belong. Like if I just follow the norms and rules of this place, I'll belong. But it's not authentic. It's not real, right? So belonging is the opposite of that. Belonging is coming to know yourself. Belonging is figuring out how to tell your story, which is something we talk lots about, It right? It, it, it really is about learning how to be you your authentic you so it's a personal journey yeah yeah and and so what what is really interesting about that right actually it's a good point fitting in has everything to do with how everybody else sees you belonging has to do with how you see you so it's an internal thing and vulnerable. Oh, super vulnerable. It's really hard. And and so uh, this is a total Brene Brown quote now, and I, I wrote it down. It goes like this. She says, true belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. Hmm. That's good. If you want to belong, you got to figure out who you are. You got you to gotta do that work. And it's that's some scary stuff. <laughs> I think we can swear. You've been swearing on other podcasts. You might as well just swear yeah, here. Yeah, that's some scary shit. I'm just saying. And, and really, I think it's mostly scary because being who you are is not always acceptable. 
mm-hmm. to people around you. It, even even the fact that I just, you know, you use this word, right? And I'm trying to figure out, can I use the word shit mm-hmm. and still fit? Yeah. Or will our listeners go, no, nah, he, he's, he's got a potty mouth, so I'm not going to listen anymore. Our moms will be okay. Yeah, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so there's kind of this interesting kind of dynamic, right? Of like, how do we figure out how to do these kind of things? How do we create places for us to belong? And ultimately, I think that, I think that it requires an incredible amount of courage to, to really be you. Okay, so you want to hear some more things I learned while I was getting ready for this thing? <laughs> yeah, but okay. I have a question before you move on to that okay. part because I, I think I know what, where you are in your notes now. <laughs> it, so if belonging is an internal, it's mostly an internal journey, mm-hmm. Do you, how do you feel a sense of belonging? You can feel a sense of belonging with an individual and a group then too. Mm-hmm. Like both can happen, but it's always just about how you experience belonging. Yeah, because if you think about it, if you think I am going to pretend so that I can fit in, Mm -hmm. you just gave away the only pathway to actually having a true sense of belonging, right? So in an organization, you find yourself, you know, a couple of weeks in, you've you've given in on a few places Mm -hmm. so that you can fit in and then when do you change? Th- when do you correct those things? Like, when do you get to fix those without going, yeah, I was actually faking before? Right. Like, right. I'm not saying that there isn't a place. Like, I am not saying we need to just go into every environment and just be fully, fully ourselves. Yeah, immediately. Yeah. Like, I do think there's something about saying, I'm going to just put my, you know, my feet in here and start figuring out how to fully express who I am and, and what I'm about. So I think that's important, partially for the group, whoever it is that you're feeling like you want to belong in, but also partially for you too, mm-hmm. to, to protect you. Like the pastor part of me wants to protect people too mm-hmm. from just going, this is who I am. There's a lot of dynamics to it, I would assume. Uh, yeah, I think so. Like there are moments too when who you are actually needs to change. Like what mm-hmm. if you're a jerk? Yeah. And it's like, no, actually. Or you have some really like strict views or values on something. And you're not being accepting yeah. to even what how someone else shows up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so when you become the person who's not making it safe anymore, right? So like part of my core belief is that I don't think people grow unless they're safe. What does safety look like then? I, I think that it safety is just, you know, can I share my thoughts and my ideas? Can I authentically come with questions? So I think some of it has to do with posture. Like do we, do we come in knowing everything? or do we come in with the hopes of learning some things and to me what i would say is if you believe you know everything there's no room for growth so if your value is to know everything then why would you ask questions yeah well then you're not curious about anything either yeah which is a word we've we've Mm -hmm. talked about a lot Mm -hmm. right curiosity is important so anyways i think that that's one of those things and i i would also say to be able to grow, we have to be able to take risks. Mm. Like we have to be able to make the, you know, what's the next little step that we have to take? So here, here's a little bit, hopefully this is helpful. It's like being your authentic self, discovering your sense of belonging. So not just like, do I belong in this group? But like, who am I? Requires an incredible amount of courage. So I look up the word courage. Okay, so in the Latin, the word core means heart. 
So actually, courage means to share your whole heart. So you want to be a courageous person, especially in the context in which we're talking about it here. Courage, of course, yes, it does mean that you're going to run into a burning building if there's a, you know, a child in there or somebody you love in there. You're mm-hmm. going to run in there to save that person, hopefully. The type of courage what we're talking about is, what does it mean to share your heart, right? So in that aspect, courage is an act of storytelling and ultimately your story, like sharing who you are and what you are about. It's telling the truth about who you are. You don't get to belong or believe you belong even in a larger group until you do that, right? So if you're always going to hold back, yeah. I'm not going to be courageous and tell my story, then people don't know you. So how is it that they're supposed to even accept who you are? Yeah, or when they don't know you're in a painful time or season of your life or something hard is happening yeah. and you don't know what to do Yep. without sharing that, then they don't even know that you're in pain. Yeah. Exactly. It's kind of what we were, you know, I talked about on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And it's actually the most practical, logical statement ever, <laughs> right? In other words, if you don't outwardly express that you're going through something hard, that you're mourning something, then you won't be comforted mm-hmm. because no one will know. It's, it's just as simple as that, yeah. right? You don't even give them the chance to do it wrong mm-hmm. or right. And so it's just like... Sitting back, watching and going, do I belong? Don't I belong? You will never know until you lean in. That's true. What do you think, like, besides just, like, who am I? What are some other questions, like, you should ask yourself uh, to discover your sense of belonging or who you are? Like, how do you get to that? Uh, oh, that's a, that is a very good question. I think there's a few things when I think about what does it mean to be discovering who I am. I think asking myself on a regular basis what breaks my heart mm-hmm. asking even on a regular basis what i would what would i give my heart for mm-hmm. or towards um or who who yeah yeah what would i risk that even risk vulner like to be vulnerable who would i risk being vulnerable in front of to be clear i'm not talking transparency i'm talking vulnerability which i think are two very different things yeah, they are. Yeah. So it's not like who will I transparent like tell my story to mm-hmm. about a difficult time I had or whatever. It's like who will I allow in to help me through a difficult time? That's the vulnerable thing. Coming to a sense of like who I am really does have to do with you know what really breaks my heart. And if and if you're sitting there asking yourself, you know, you're driving right now and you're going, I don't know what breaks my heart. It bears some reflection. It bears some thinking about it. You know, for those of us with families and all those kind of things, like it's a capo to just say your family. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you have to be specific. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like there's there are the, 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 the easy ones. You know, the, yeah. low, the low-hanging fruit is there <laughs> to pick. But, but I really do think it, this is the kind of thing where maybe it is time to meditate on. Maybe it is time to go for a good long walk or even a retreat and kind of go, what am I, what am I about? Who am I? Um, because until you can begin to risk that, and that can be scary. That was scary for me. My first, you know, silent retreat. One of the most scary things I ever done. I'm so glad I did it. I realized I could, but until we set aside time to really think about these questions, they they can just be very, very confusing to us. Yeah, I would say journaling too is another way to do that. Mm-hmm. If you're not someone who wants to go for a walk but could write it down mm-hmm. and think about that and come back to it, that's sometimes helpful for me. 
Yeah, like you like to write. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I like writing. I'm not like I need to verbally process things, but I also find it my thoughts clear when I'm writing them down. It is like I do find it helpful to ask those questions too. And I think uh, like on different levels of those, like what breaks your heart is like you can answer the family questions. You can answer the relational mm-hmm. questions. But and, they're, also, and they're true. Yeah, they're real and they're good. But also like in the world, what breaks your heart in your community, like if you can take some levels to it. And where your attention and focus is going right now is often where your energy is and what you're putting towards it. So that also is usually an indicator of what you're paying attention to and what you're focusing on right now is probably where your values are, good or bad. Yeah. And energy can, the kind of energy you're putting towards something Mm -hmm. can be good or bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Like you can be looking, you can come into an organization and look, put your energy towards the places where you are being truly yourself and where you do have a sense of belonging. Or you can put all your energy into all the places where you don't. That's true. Yeah. Suddenly a lot of things can turn quite negative, right? Depending on how you're choosing to see mm-hmm. and what that looks like. Well, and because like for me, I was saying this to you before we recorded, but I think belonging is like, I have a sense of that sometimes, mm-hmm. but it, it's so m- mystical in some ways where you don't know, mm-hmm. there's not clear-cut always signs that you know you belong. Yeah. And I think the internal journey is the one that actually reveals the most mm-hmm. in that sense. But to say, like, I just don't have a sense of belonging and leaving it at that doesn't allow you to discover what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to even blame other people for not belonging somewhere, so in church or in an organization or even in your family. Mm-hmm. Like, there are times I don't know how I feel about like my larger extended family and Mm. where I belong in that. What does that mean? What do you mean by that? What does that look like? I think our values are just different and how I live my life is different in terms of my family. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know them really well. And I think relationship also makes it easier to have a sense of belonging. So there are moments where I'm like, I don't know what to do in this situation. And I think I've tried to fit in and just try to match what's happening in the room as opposed to just being like, I'm just going to show up as me, which I do now more, and feel mm. less apologetic about it. Do you think some of uh, having a sense of belonging is also about understanding history, like the history of a family? So mm. Kristen says this all the time. She's like, when, you, when I go to DeWald family functions, so all the typical things are happening there. So everybody's talking over each other. <laughs> it, the, the volume we were at a family gathering on Sundays so was fresh in my mind. The volume just over the course of the evening just increasingly gets louder. Mm. But she she says as the in law mm-hmm. and my my brother in law Josh as well. She's like sometimes we look at each other at family functions. We just laugh because you you all are telling the same stories over and over again like they're brand new and like she always they always make jokes about playing bingo you know like when is this story about this gonna come up and when is this gonna happen and for us this is like how we how we identify with our roots as a DeWald family I don't even notice we're doing it Mm, like it's not it's not really something I'm paying attention to but they are laughing their heads off at us but for us, it's like we share these common stories mm-hmm. so that we are connected. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what I'm wondering is like if you don't have an ongoing relationship, your family's close by, mm-hmm. like yep. most of them, not yep. all of them, but they're close by. So there is this opportunity to do that more often. Mm-hmm. 
But I think you're right. I think larger families do that. They just retell the history mm-hmm. and you need that. Yeah. But I don't know if that's always happening everywhere. Like it's not happening everywhere in my family. It's much quieter. <laughs> yes, I imagine your functions are quite a bit quieter. Although I can't imagine any function, family function would be louder than the DeWald gathering. <laughs> I can't imagine. I don't think there's a threshold and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure the DeWalds have reached it. So in terms of volume, but, but also we're having a great time, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm making fun of my family and they can handle it, but we're a loud bunch. Yeah. We really are. You, you've been to a couple of gatherings yeah. and it's like... <laughs> I kind of love it because it's so different for me, what it's been like growing up and... You're not sitting in the corner, <laughs> sucking your thumb. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I keep coming back, so... There you go. It's an indicator. But yeah, it is kind of interesting. Like I do wonder if knowing the history of an organization or a group of people mm-hmm. or knowing the story, like we talk a lot about that at Lake Ridge, but I mm-hmm. think we do retell those stories a lot so... Other people can join you in this sense of what's mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, so I think you, I think you do actually did hit on something, right? That part of what we want to do, and I know this even in church planting and all those kind of things, organizational things. That that one of the things I was taught was to celebrate milestones. Hmm. So to have the birthday party for the church, <laughs> which is like so weird, you know, you get the cake and you do all the work to do it. But that, that, those are important markers where you do get to tell the past stories. And even in other organizations, you get to hear about the founder whose heart, incidentally, right, was typically broken mm-hmm. and started doing this, this nonprofit or this charitable organization or whatever. So out of a desire to do these kind of things, this is where the history comes from. What do you think are the limits, boundaries to why people don't have a sense of belonging? Have we named them? Do we need to name them again? Oh, maybe. Do you have some off the top of your head? Uh, I think fear. Oh, yeah. Like, I think for sure. I, I think, you know, just to recap, I do think, like, if if you're coming into a family gathering, a work setting, a church, uh, whatever, and you are looking for red flags, you will find them. They will be there. There will always be a reason for you not to belong. I think in the church... Like one of the challenging things for me is that I think people come into a church and they look for, well, what are the theological, you know, hooks? Right. You know, what does this church believe about this? What does this church believe about this? And then that's one of those places where they go, oh, well, these, this is an inclusive congregation. You know, they, they, they want to accept these, these things mm-hmm. or they just was a woman preacher that just preached, <laughs> right? Like, can we, can we hear from a woman on the Bible, on the Holy Scriptures, <laughs> right? Like, and you, you're looking for these hooks. And unfortunately, what, and even we've tried to do this at, at Lake Ridge is what I want to see them hook their, put their jacket on, so to speak, is this is a place for the perplexed. Mm-hmm. This is a place where people get to ask questions. This is a place for all of the things where they can be themselves, where you can... When you can, when you feel safe enough, you can work up the courage to share your story, mm-hmm. no matter what that story looks like. Yeah, or ask those scary questions. Yeah, so that if that actually could be the hook, right? Instead of what do you believe about this part of the book of the law or this part of the book of the law, and more about this place wants me to be me. Mm-hmm. That's what I want people to hook on as a sense of belonging. Yeah, and it's also not your job to make sure they have a sense of belonging, but mm-hmm. 
knowing that you could disagree, knowing that you can walk into an environment, that it actually isn't a big deal where you're at on any of those topics, but that you can accept and love people for where they're at is more important. Yeah, like you can disagree on topics and still belong. Yeah, like you could not like the women pe- preachers, but we're still yeah. going to preach. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it doesn't mean you got to, you got to go. Yeah. Or, you know, we, you know, we're giving examples from the church and that's, you know, fresh in our mind. And yeah. We both work at the church. So it's, a, that's a real thing. But how could you help to help people reframe a sense of belonging in a, in a religious organization that really has done some things you're not okay with and still have a sense of belonging, community, and connection, and even be able to grow. And the reality is, if you don't have people who are not like you, like if all you do is get together with people who are just like you, Mm -hmm. in other words, if all you do is find an environment where you fit in, where you actually fit in, Mm -hmm. you don't grow. Because everybody's like you. Yeah. And that can be comfortable, even in the family sense, that can be comfortable for me to go to gatherings and just say the things that I think they would like Mm -hmm. me to say and get the (laughs) approval that I would like and leave and it could be fine, but they don't ever know me Mm -hmm. and I'll just fit in. I won't belong. Yeah. And I, this would be my observation is you only fit in until you don't, you you fit in until you don't. There are examples in the church like that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I fit in this church as long as I stay married. Right. I fit into this church as long as my kid doesn't struggle with mental health. Yeah. Or is handicapped mm-hmm. or is gay mm-hmm. or is, right? Like, and then all of a sudden, all this time that you've spent figuring out how to fit in, life just interrupted it. <laughs> like, this is real. Yeah, it happens. Real life happens. And so if, if, the goal of your organization is to help people to fit in, you're failing. Mm-hmm. It, may, it may benefit the big goal, but I don't think it's benefiting all people. Yeah, and I think sometimes people forget that like in organizations when we're talking about that sense of things, if your employees feel a sense of belonging and have a safe culture for them to be in, they work harder. Mm-hmm. Your goals will be met actually quicker. Yeah. Like, and that's just, it seems counterproductive because it sometimes is slower. Yeah. feels slower, but actually it's more enjoyable and lo- and retention will be higher. Like mm-hmm. there's so many research things around that. That's one of the things that I irritate people quite a bit about, right? <laughs> like you're, you're smiling away. I mean, they, you know, they can't see your face on here, but it's like I get teased about that quite a bit mm-hmm. is that I want to sit down and I want to f- hear how somebody's week went before we get down to work. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that takes longer. Some days that takes a lot longer. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But I really do actually believe that it, if I know what's happening in your life, as you know, we work together, mm-hmm. you know what's happening in mine. Even I just think everything is a richer experience for everybody. Yeah. For both of us, but also for the rest of our staff. And, you know. Yeah. Well, all our staff meetings basically start that way. Mm-hmm. Like we all check in with each other. And some days it does take a lot longer Mm because we have life things happening, but then we have more grace for each other in the Mm -hmm. week when we know what's going on. And if it's a hard week for one of us, then the other ones can pick up the slack. And we have a small team, but that I think can work in any environment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think even too, you know, like not to bring up the Enneagram again, (laughs) but we do actually know on that, uh, 
as we're checking in with people and there are certain tasks that need to be done and some personalities are better at getting at certain tasks than others. And it's, it's good to actually to say, I'm feeling really insecure about doing this. Mm-hmm. And somebody else on our team can go, well, I'm not. And that doesn't mean they do it for you. But even hearing like, this has happened multiple times where I'm like, oh, I'm feeling kind of worked up about this. And Preston will go, oh, I'm not. I go, oh, well, maybe I don't need to be either. Yeah. Right? We can, we can help care and encourage each other. So. We didn't talk about like friendship groups at all. No, we didn't really, did we? Yeah, we didn't really mention that at all. That's the one thing that just came to mind is like that wasn't ever an example. But we both have good friends that we feel yeah, like we have a sense of belonging. They are mutual friends, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we hang out quite a bit together. Yeah. Even so when there like, isn't a mic thrusted in front of your face, yeah. I might ask you a question about this kind of thing. But no, we, we, are, we are very fortunate to have friends that we have a sense of belonging with. Mm-hmm. And that that can be good, bad, and ugly. Yeah, it can be but all of that. Mostly it's good, though. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really is, right? Yeah. And it's like even when we say things that are like maybe a bit on the harsh side or whatever, because, because we understand that we love each other, mm-hmm. you get to hear it in a healthier context. Yeah, and even disagree with each other. Mm-hmm. But I think it's taken time mm-hmm. to develop all of that. And that's maybe something we haven't mentioned either is like, this is a long process mm-hmm. and requires a lot of investing in relationships and also giving each other, not off the hook, but giving each other the benefit of the doubt when, you know, one of us says something that feels inappropriate or crosses a line or mm-hmm. isn't something we agree with. And then also, I think, giving each other the chance to say oh you did it wrong (laughs) yeah absolutely i I know i would add to this it's like in in a good healthy friendships just because something is awkward to talk about doesn't mean you don't talk about it Mm -hmm. we know Mm -hmm. that there that there's disagreement on some things yeah and we still talk about it yep and it's okay yeah right because we love each other like i know you know even in our friendship Mm mm-hmm there are plenty of times when I'm like, whoa, she definitely seeing my selfish side here, <laughs> right? Yeah. And even some moments where you've had to point it out. But I know I'm cared for. I know I'm loved. And it's okay. Yeah, and you let me be controlling and then remind <laughs> me that I'm being controlling. And it's nice. <laughs> we need both. Yeah. yeah. And and all of the, all of the things in between. Well, and I do just... you think we're, we're not going to belong in every circumstance, in every group, in every community, in every mm-hmm. relationship that we come across? Yeah. So there is some like awareness there that you have to be paying attention to mm-hmm. to go, I don't know, this maybe isn't just a fit and it maybe isn't yeah, about that group or that person. And even even the topic of like in terms of belonging in an organization, even dissent mm-hmm. is important. Mm-hmm. Having everybody always agree doesn't grow an organization well. Yeah. It, it doesn't, certainly doesn't, um, develop a three-dimensional organization. It becomes an organization where everybody's trying to fit in. Mm-hmm. No one wants to be noticed. And as soon as you have an organization where no one wants to be noticed, no one will stick up their head and say, has anybody noticed that there's something really wrong with this? Mm-hmm. Like this thing we do is really wrong or really weird. This is yeah one of the best parts about having, you know, people who didn't attend church when they were kids and they, they enter the church as an adult and they go, what a weird thing that this group of people sings. Yeah, or there's even like language built around 
rituals or things that happen like communion yeah okay yeah like it was like okay tell us some weird things so you came to the <laughs> yeah you came to lake ridge you know as an adult yeah i can't remember them but i do know you used to ask me a lot like what is why do we do this that's a weird thing <laughs> yeah i used to ask a lot of questions like that i just always wanted to know like the reason behind certain things I like can't, communion yeah communion was well communion because it's so different at every denomination mm. that you're always trying to be like in a church like what is up with because yeah. some like the catholics have like wafers and it's like and then we don't we like have the dipping with the bread and that's the whole thing some people <laughs> drink the wine I mean, whatever <laughs> see, just so you know the see, language you're supposed to use no i'm just kidding Go there's ahead. words like all yeah. of those kind of things so i remember uh i was at a pub with some friends and when you're a pastor Everybody has a church story. Yeah. Right. It's just like if you're a cop, everybody has a cop story. If you're a pastor, everybody has a pastor story. And uh, this guy is like, yeah, I went to a church once. And because one of his kids was being baptized, which he didn't know anything about. Like mm-hmm. it was his wife was just, yeah, she was Catholic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just really wanted to baptize their kids. So he goes and he's like, so, so we're there. We're sitting in like the hardest chair i've ever sat on we had to sit there for like two hours the whole time there was this discussion about a meal that was coming that we were going to have a meal at the end and then it came time for that part in the service the meal was served and it was this tiny tiny little glass of juice it wasn't even wine and a piece of bread (laughs) (laughs) and he's like at peace and he's showing me this like Peace being like a pinch of bread. <laughs> I remember thinking, yeah, that's a weird thing we do. Yeah. That is a... That's it's a, a strange thing. Yep. Yep. You yeah, but it's kind out. of like being an in-law in a family or coming into a new yeah. friend group. Like there's all these like historical... Like you said, I think the history is important because there's all this historical mm-hmm. stuff happening. And I don't know if you get a sense of belonging without knowing some of the history or understanding the value of what's going on Mm -hmm. because there's like you know how in families there's certain foods or there's like Mm -hmm. just yeah like certain people pray or certain like there's just things that happen yep that when you walk in you're like well my family doesn't do it that way or yep anyways i i think like deep down i have always wanted to have a sense of belonging Mm. and and so for me that translates in how am i creating a place for people to belong Mm-hmm. How am I making sure that I'm hospitable enough for people to be themselves? Mm-hmm. Right? Like hospitality for me, right? It's the ability to allow people to be themselves in your presence. Mm-hmm. Hospitality being done anywhere in that context. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask just one other thing I had mm-hmm. a question on was, I do you think a sense of like, I just want to name that we're both white. So a sense of privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure how that comes into belonging or how that would work, but I would say there are moments like where I walk into a room or I walk into a space and, you know, because I'm a woman, sometimes in the church, that's a different, there's some sensitive things around that, mm-hmm. not in our church or our context, that's not, yeah. but in, there have been times where that's come up or in the world or whatever, but as someone who is white and not of a different race, I, I sometimes can demand a sense of even belonging and feel mm-hmm. like I belong like you're I'm in charge to be uh, yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. I'm allowed to be here. I'm allowed mm-hmm. to belong here, but I'm not sure everybody gets to walk into a room feeling that way. I wonder if that's like, I don't even think that we understand what it means to live 
with a sense of entitlement. I don't think we even have grasped that. I think for sure me as a white man, mm-hmm. I don't think I've grasped it. When I walk into a room, I am not self-conscious. I am self-conscious about certain things, whatever. And this is a this is a real thing. Like as a pastor, a lot of people who are doing work in our community on the service side, you know, mental health work, all those mm-hmm. kind of things, mostly women. Yeah. When I walk into a room full of women, mental health workers even, I don't feel out of place. But if a woman walked into a Right. If you walked into a room full of men, mm-hmm. ever. Well, I would say this, like we were talking about this before, and like it's our staff is men and me. <laughs> There's three men and me. And I. And you love it. I love it. It is eye candy <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> Anyways, I will say there are moments when like I feel like I have to, not because of how you three treat me. Because I feel like I'm treated very well. I'm treated very mm-hmm. equally. I have a sense of belonging on our team and our staff, and I always have. But there are times when I go, oh, I have to feel like I have to explain why I get a seat at the table. Why I deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's not because anybody's made me feel that way, but it's just something that I think I wonder if other women feel the same way when they walk into a room full of men, like you were saying, mm-hmm. explaining even having to have a certain presence or even matching like this, these are the things of fitting in that you sometimes do. And I think women can do in workplaces. I wonder if people of color do this where you are trying to match the tone. You're trying to match, like, I don't want to have, there's all these jokes on Instagram about too many exclamation marks on your emails because men don't do that as much. It's so weird. It's, I swear it's a thing where if you're like too bubbly or too happy or whatever, like you have to come across more professional take out those, end things with a period, put less detail in. Like there are all these things that happen in order to sometimes feel like you need to fit in because it's a male-dominated industry you're working in. You know, not to bring in the Enneagram, but there are certain Enneagram numbers that are more aggressive than others, right? There's an aggressive stance to the Enneagram, right? The sevens, eights, and threes are, are in the aggressive stance. If you are a female of one of those numbers, like uh, to be a male in one of those numbers is usually... To be powerful, be strong, to be direct, to be whatever, all the the powerful, all the words that go with it, um, is to be actually what you're expected to be, what our culture expects men to be. If you're a woman and you're one of those numbers in the aggressive stance Mm -hmm. and you're trying to get something done, you are called something else usually. Mm -hmm. Or people are a little bit more cautious because so-and-so's got an attitude. Yeah. And, you know, she's like this. Mm-hmm. She's too much. Mm-hmm. You know, there are men who are too much too, but we would seldom say that. Yep. And if you're too soft, you might cry at work and that's yep. not okay. We can't be too aggressive, but you can't be too nice. Yep. So figure it out. And that's the dance I think we're playing. And that's where I, like, I can relate to that in a small sense, but I don't know, like, if you have the lens of another race or something else, mm-hmm. another minority or marginalized group going on. That those could be barriers. Yeah. Well, and when, when earlier, just to backtrack a little, when you were talking, I was like, I think we all have blinders. Mm-hmm. I think white men have b- bigger blinders, but our culture has kind of taught that. Mm-hmm. So even when you come across a man, like there are some other numbers on the Enneagram that are more sensitive, mm-hmm. 
they are kinder, they're more in touch with their emotions, they're like these things. And there are men who are those numbers too, because I'm a little bit out of touch with my heart a little bit. But I've had a I've had some teary times recently. Mm-hmm. And when I can see those tears more as something that's giving me information and life, I feel more myself. Yeah. And the more I come to be comfortable with myself, the more I I have a sense of belonging mm-hmm. in who I am and how I was made, even in what I was made to do. Being somewhat self-aware and somewhat self-reflective has something to do with belonging. If we're just trying to figure out how to fit in, we're taking in your words, all our energy is going towards fitting in. And we got nothing left to figure out who we actually are. And there's so much freedom in figuring out who Mm -hmm. you are. Like there is something to be able to, even for me, there's something to be said about going, I struggle with emotions in my own life. Mm-hmm. Not yours or anybody else's, but mine. Yeah. That doesn't mean I don't want to grow. That doesn't mean I will, I don't want to feel. It just means it it requires more internal work for me. It's all part of belonging. Ironically, it actually is all connected to having a sense of belonging. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't feel like that. I hope that whoever is listening, that you are doing the work to discover who you are so that you can have a deeper sense of your own belonging in this place, in this world. And that that will ultimately also translate into you creating a place of belonging for others. The better you know yourself, the less you need everybody to be like you. Mm-hmm. You can let them be like them. And that is the gift we give to our, our communities, our church, our workplaces. So remember, true belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. Hey, thanks for joining us. We'd love if you take a moment to rate, subscribe, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, thanks for listening.